Welcome to Monday Matters with Holly Cochran. Holly is a wife, mom, coach, and entrepreneur. She wears these and many more hats while running three successful businesses, a gym, online counseling and nutrition program, and commercial cleaning company. She brings a unique perspective to everyday life with her spicy, no-nonsense attitude. Holly helps her clients keep it simple with small tweaks that over time add up to big life changes. With that, let's get on with today's episode. Here's my friend, Holly Cochran, an incredible human you need to be listening to every Monday. Well, hello there, family, friends, and strangers. Thanks for joining the Monday Matters podcast. My name is Holly Cochran, and here we are today. This is the second of three episodes I'm doing before Christmas here. And the last one I did, if you haven't taken a listen to last week, it was all about hormones and how I think we could go about doing a better job of balancing hormones for the holidays. The holidays can be a really amazing, fun, relaxing time, or they can be an emotional roller coaster of exhausted stress. So if you are wanting to head into this holiday season um, with some more peace in your world and enjoying them and the people around you and the time off work or the time at work during the festive season, if you want to just do the holidays a little bit better this year, then take a listen to last week's Balancing Hormones episode. And this week, we are going to talk a little bit about sleep. And I don't know if I am the best person on the planet to be teaching about sleep health, because I wouldn't say I get enough sleep on a regular daily basis. After having been through this past year of school that I've been doing, and every single month when I'm in a new unit, they talk about and value sleep for our overall health. Like number one, gut health and number two, sleep health. Like we really, really, really need to pay attention to how well we're sleeping for our overall longevity and well-being. And I get up every single day of the week at 4.30 in the morning. And so when you're raising teenage daughters who often want to hang out in your room until 10 o'clock at night or need to be picked up at dance at 10 o'clock at night, it's just not conducive to, you know, regular nine hours or I mean, I'm sorry, seven to nine hours of sleep. I'm not even close to that at this point. So because it's really important for me and I am working on it more and more all the time, going trying to go to bed earlier as much as I can and rearranging my life a little bit so there's some sleep in days in the week, um, I'm going to tell you about the things that I am learning about myself and my sleep routine and some of the suggestions that are out there that I haven't put all into practice yet, but I am going to. I always believe that there are ways for us to be getting better at life and getting better at being healthier all the time. When I stop working on this kind of stuff, that will be, that's when I'm dead. That's when it's over. So I'm never going to stop trying to get better at doing this stuff. And that's what I'm going to be sharing with you today is the things that I have learned about sleep and sleep deprivation and its effects, which is what's making me passionate about getting better quality sleep. So if sleep is an issue for you, or you think you could be doing a better job of it, then hang on while we have a little chat about this. So the effects of not sleeping or sleep deprivation can 
um, manifest or can show up in all kinds of different um, areas of our body or in our mood and mental wellness. So if you got something going on, don't necessarily believe or don't necessarily think that it has something to do with maybe an external source or something that you are doing or the environment outside of your internal environment. You simply could be tired. And to all the mamas out there who are in the season of sleeplessness with those babies, when it is really, really, really challenging for you to make a lot of changes because so much of your world is out of control. I see you. I've been you. I've had years of sleepless kids and I, well, I never want to go back if I can tell you that right now, but I know that what I am preaching right now is not necessarily something that you can put into practice. So, um, Stay tuned anyway, listen to these things for when that time comes when your kids are sleeping through the night and nobody is sick and you can string weeks of those together. Like I know it feels like that time is not any time near to think that you're going to be able to string weeks of sleeping well together, but it does happen. So hang on mamas for everybody else out there that has an opportunity to make some changes to their sleep health. Here's the reasons why you want to. When we are tired, even if we are sleep deprived by one to two hours, which most of us could be on any given day, it reduces brain function right off the bat. You don't function as well when you have deprived yourself of an hour or two of sleep. When we are tired, we have higher anxiety and mood imbalances. I think we all get it. Our emotions are all over. And there have been times when I have, you know, dial a friend and just say, I don't even know if this is really a problem. I could just be tired. <laughs> Anyone else ever been like, okay, I'm not really even sure if I'm upset. I don't even know why I'm really crying. But I think actually the root of this problem is I'm just tired. Yeah, that's a real thing. So mood imbalances, emotions all over the map. That is a symptom of sleep deprivation, being tired. When we're tired and when we are not getting enough sleep, our immune systems are weaker. So, wow, are we in the throes of the flu season? Big time around here. Now is not the time to be staying out late at major Christmas parties back to back to back because we need that sleep. Our immune system is working overdrive, just publicing out there in the world right now, you are surrounded by germs every time you leave the house, which is not a bad thing if you're immune, because your immune system can handle a lot, a lot, except if you weaken it by being tired. So get plenty of rest right now. Your body needs the extra help to manage all the germs that are floating around out there. We need our immune systems to be at their finest. When we are sleep deprived, the other systems in our body, our digestive system, our cardiovascular system, all of our immune system, none of them work to their finest, which often results in some weight gain. When we are not processing, when we are not digesting as well, we put weight on. So 
sleep deprivation and being tired means our systems don't work to the best of their ability, which means sometimes we put weight on, or even if we have put weight on for all the other reasons, like overeating and things like that, and you're trying to lose weight, it's really hard for your body to let that weight go when you're really tired. So if the first thing that you can do on a weight loss journey is start looking after your sleep health, it will make a huge difference for you. People who are tired and regularly sleep deprived have a greater risk of heart disease and diabetes. We suffer from poor coordination and it often results in binge eating. So we have hormones in our body that sort of trigger when we feel satiated and when we feel hungry. And our hungry hormones take over when we are tired and signal to us that we should be eating, trying to make us believe that if we had some more food, we would have more energy. And so when we're tired, we binge eat. You look for, you have more chips, you have more junk food, you have more caffeine, you have more of the things that you're not supposed to be having on, you know, maybe in moderation and all that kind of stuff, but that's what your body is looking for because it's pretending that's going to be a source of energy when you're tired. So we binge eat, we eat the stuff. Everybody has been there where we've been exhausted and feeling weak and in that weakened state, you just eat eat the stuff. So those are all the reasons why we don't want to be sleep deprived. Now let's just take a minute here and think about our sleep routine and our sleep health. Do you have a routine? Do you sleep seven to nine hours consistently every night? If you do, if you lay down before 10, fall asleep, sleep like a baby, and wake up somewhere between six and seven o'clock in the morning. Congratulations and amen to that. And if you don't sleep a beautiful night's sleep on a consistent basis, there are things that you can do to try to improve that. And I've implemented quite a few on the list and my sleep has improved. The quality of sleep, the consistency of my sleep, and the duration of my sleep. There are less 2 a.m. wake-ups There was a time when I was running this gym when I'd wake up at two in the morning and not be able to fall back asleep before my alarm went off at 4.30. So that meant my days were starting at 2 a.m. That's not okay. That is not okay. And it's not happening nearly as often anymore. So last week's podcast about hormones and foods that I'm eating in order to help to balance those, that's helped. Other things is trying to be in bed at a consistent time that allows you to get seven to nine hours of sleep every night. So for me, I try to be heading upstairs to get to bed between 8.30, well, 8.30 for sure, and it doesn't happen enough, but the average person should be in bed before 10. If you can be in bed before 10 consistently every night, you will have, they have, they've done studies on all of this stuff and you will have a more consistent quality sleep if you hit your bed before 10 o'clock p.m. 10 o'clock is too late for me just because of the wake-up time. So I try to back that up a little bit more when possible. They also talk all the time about having sunlight on your eyes and as early in the morning as you possibly can. And I think it's kind of funny because 
I've already put in a couple hours of work before the sun is even coming up right now. And so have all the people that are coming to hang out with me. Like they've finished their run outside. They've done a workout. They've had a shower. They're driving back to work and the sun's still not up yet. So the getting sunlight in your eyes first thing in the morning doesn't seem like a Saskatchewan thing to me right now. But I do understand the concept of it, and I do have a happy light, which I think I'm going to be bringing to my office pretty soon. Um, I got it at Costco. It's one of those UV lights, and if I just set it on my desk when I first start working, it's still dark outside, but it will synthetically give me the same sort of effect that having some sunlight in my eyes does. And I try to get fresh air every day as well. And it's been more of a chore lately, but I definitely work hard at going outside, even when it's cold and my nostrils are freezing together when I take a big breath in, but I try to get fresh air every single day. It makes a huge difference. Um, the one I have not mastered yet, but I'm going to work on it is the blue light. That's my phone and the computer screen. And the the recommendation is to not have them in your life for one to two hours before you close your eyes. That's never happened since I've had a phone probably. Well, since I've had this kind of a phone, maybe my flip phone I wasn't looking at, but definitely not in the last few years. It is the last thing I am scrolling before I close my eyes and I want to fix that. I want to do a better job. I'm not sure what I'm doing about it, but not scrolling your phone until it's time to close your eyes is one of the best things that you can do to slow that brain down and that dopamine hit and the blue light that's interfering with your relaxation. So get rid of the phone if you can before you hit the bedroom. Um, and if you have strategies that work for you, let me know. I think I talked about it in another podcast about how I need somebody to invent the ringer that's in my room that allows me to be able to hear my phone ringing while I'm asleep. When that gets invented, I want to be the first one to buy one because that's the reason I still have that phone in my room is because it's the only way people can communicate with me. Um, the temperature, keep it low. You don't want to have your room too hot. So it's okay to have that patio door open all summer long. It's okay to have a fan running in your room. It's actually really good for you. So keep your temperature low and your sound quiet. Some people say they need to have some noise to fall asleep. White noise is best. Don't have the TV on. Don't have that blue light flickering in your eyeballs while you're trying to fall asleep. Don't have the noise of other people's voices and emotions and sounds going on on the TV while you're trying to fall asleep. The other thing that is recommended that I'm not doing um, is not eating for three hours before bed. So there's not a really particular time, don't eat after six or whatever, but just try to make it so that you're going a longer period of time without eating from the last time you eat at night till the first time you eat in the morning. Your body needs to work to digest food. So the closer to bed time that you eat, the more that your body's needing to work to digest that food. Now, some of us need to make sure that we have our, you know, blood sugars regulated. I find that if I don't have a snack before bed, which I've now changed many times over the years and have come down to a few almonds or nuts of some sort, that's been for me the best case scenario before I go to bed. That's my snack. 
but I definitely don't wait three hours before I go to bed after I have my little bedtime snack of almonds. So I'm not doing this, but it is recommended that we don't have our big, big meal and then head straight to bed. So um, I think we've all kind of heard that before. The only thing is I need to make sure I'm getting enough calories in in a day. So sometimes that means it happens closer to bedtime than I'd like it. But it's better that to feel my workout in the morning than to wake up and be really you know, under fueled for my workout. Um, having a bedtime routine. So something that starts to signal that you are getting ready to go to bed for about an hour before you go to bed. So is that the wash your face, brush your teeth? For me, it's take my vitamins. Is it read a book? Is it spend time alone in your room before you actually close your eyes? Um, what is the bedtime routine that sort of reminds yourself on a daily basis that you're slowing down, the workday is over, you're transitioning into that restful state? Can you change your breathing during this bedtime routine? Is this an opportunity for you to place your right hand on your chest and your left hand on your belly and take a breath in through your nose and out through your mouth and do that on a few for a few breaths just to get some really good oxygen flowing through your body before you're going to ask it to just go into a peaceful, restful state. So your bedtime routine, just like when we had our kids and they were little and you were trying to get them to know that it's like slow down time and like shut your mouth and go to sleep soon time. And we do the whole bath, read two stories. Everybody got their feet rubbed with the lavender lotion and all the things that were the bedtime routine. I don't know why that comes to an end, but sometimes it comes to an end and it's a really good system. Put it back into place. Get yourself a real sweet little bedtime routine. Um, the, oh, another thing I was going to talk about when I did my podcast on sleep was some of the sleep data devices and how they can be super useful. Sometimes people just need to see it. You just need to see where you're at with your sleep. And I have an aura ring and it tells me how my sleep was and my recovery. And am I ready to do another workout again? And my resting heart rate and my HRV and like my temperature going up and down in the night, all it's giving me all kinds of data. And I am now sort of aware enough of the data to take it with a grain of salt. Like, yes, I'm checking this data, but I'm not living and breathing by it. The very first time I ever got one of those like sleep watches or whatever, Fitbit watch things, I was wearing it to sleep and I'd go to bed at night and I'd wake up and I'd check to see my watch and my watch would tell me it had a terrible sleep and no REM sleep and no deep sleep. And the data would be like, you sucked last night at sleeping. And then I'd be so tired. Oh my goodness, I had a terrible sleep last night. But before, I wouldn't have thought that at all. I would have woke up and like been ready to take on the day. Like I got tons of energy. All of a sudden, this thing on my wrist was convincing me that I should be tired for the day. And when I realized, you know, a couple of weeks into it, I was feeling worse than I'd ever felt before with this thing on my wrist now. And I'm like, okay, I am being so influenced by this piece of technology that I am losing touch with reality 
and I want to get rid of it. So I got rid of the Fitbit and I do not look at that kind of data anymore. That does not, it's not the first thing I see in the morning and it does not influence how I'm going to feel today. So even if my aura ring tells me that I didn't have a great sleep, I don't really care. I just go with how I'm actually feeling because maybe the thing wasn't even working. Maybe it was sliding up on my finger too much throughout the night and it wasn't giving you accurate data. There's so many variables that come into play with these devices that as useful as they can be, they equally can be as, you know, useless. So if you have one of those devices and you are living and breathing by the data of it, just take a pause, take it with a grain of salt. Like, could there be a little bit of default? How are you really feeling? That's what you need to go with. So that's just a little side on my, my, my sleep data that I've been trying to track. It does tell me how long I've been in bed, but like, as if I didn't know, <laughs> it's like, you've been in bed for six hours and 32 minutes. Yeah. I know what time I came here. I, I'm aware of how long I've been in bed, but anyway, it's there. There are a lot of studies done and research done that are um, proving or, or influencing us to be taking more magnesium. Most people are magnesium um, deficient nowadays. Most people are. And magnesium and magnesium deficiency can affect sleep and sleep quality. So for many reasons, we should be including magnesium in uh, as a supplement to our daily diet. We're not getting enough of it in our food. We can't eat enough magnesium in our food anymore. So supplementing with a magnesium pill can improve sleep. It made a world of difference for me. So that's one thing that um, I've changed that I found to be incredibly helpful. And there's a lot uh, to be said for melatonin. Melatonin uh, is for sleep quality as well. And they, there's a lot of recommendations that talk about how if you are taking a melatonin at night and you are getting good quality sleep, the health benefits are great, far greater than any of the potential side effects or negative side effects of taking a melatonin, the quality of sleep that you're getting and the being able to wake from that sleep without feeling drowsy far outweigh anything else. And so if a melatonin helps, take one and get yourself a good night's sleep. Um, if you have people in your room while you're sleeping, if you sleep with a partner and things like that, they tossing and turning and all that kind of stuff of the other person can affect your quality of sleep. So the next time you're buying a mattress, if you get a chance to buy the mattress that has sort of that divider down. So one side of the mattress can be one firmness or, you know, the other person moving isn't going to be influencing your sleep as much. Get yourself, um, if they're a big, if they snore, the ear counseling type sleep um, earphones are out there for you or headphones. Is that what they're called? And the eye mask. So especially in the summertime, because I'm still trying to go to bed between eight 30 and nine o'clock so that I can have the same wake up time. I got myself an eye mask. It's still like broad daylight when I'm going to bed sometimes in the summertime. And that's really hard for you to fall asleep in. So, uh, invested in a nice little silk 
eye mask. Wasn't a whole lot of money, but I really like it. It feels really nice on my eyes and it helps me to just get into that darkened state. Um, and I can ignore the TV that's going on in my room a little bit when I have the sleep mask on. So those are the things that have worked for me. When I'm counseling patients and we talk about sleep and sleep anxiety, like people who are waking up in the night when their mind is racing and they just can't seem to like settle down. One of the strategies that we've talked about for years is having a sleep journal beside your bed and not a journal to journal your sleep, but a journal for you to use almost in your sleep. So sometimes the brain dump is all you need to do in order to let that go for the time being. We often wake up in the night um, with that to-do list or I forgot list or um, replaying conversations over in your mind in the night and how would I have done that better next time and those sorts of things are playing on us while we're trying to sleep. And it's just our brain working through them. It's kind of how our brains operate. And the fact that we can't necessarily control what time of day our brain does that means it's interfering with our sleep. So I often tell people, put a journal beside the bed and a pen. And if you wake in the night, enough to be looking at your phone, put the phone away or put the flashlight on your phone if you need to, write out the thoughts that you're having, write out the to-do list, write out the I don't want to forget stuff, write out the conversation you wished you'd had, put the thoughts that are running through your mind or maybe racing through your mind, put them into your journal that is beside your bed. And then without waking the person next to you, kind of do the dramatic close, like done. I've solved this for now. I don't need to keep thinking about it. I've put this in its place. I have brainstormed all that I can brainstorm about this situation. And after you close that journal, take those cleansing breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth and see if you can get yourself back into a peaceful sleep state. That anxiety is just usually your brain on overdrive. And one of the ways to slow that down is to acknowledge it. Okay, brain. What do you need? What am I needing? What are you needing from me right now? Can I give that to you? Can we sort this out sooner rather than later? Do I need to be racing through these thoughts constantly for the rest of the evening? So I just wanted to add that strategy in there as well. That's more of the, not necessarily from the functional health perspective, but more of my counseling perspective. So I added that one to the list and I hope that something on this list is resonating with you. Because while we enter into this fantastic holiday season, getting enough sleep will be the difference between loving life and all of the people that are in it and being grateful for the season or being completely a stressed out maniac. And I hope none of you are this season. Keep working on being just a little bit better every day. I know you're doing fantastic and I look forward to hearing all about your holiday season. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Monday Matters with Holly Cochran. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Monday Matters, leave her a review, and share this episode on your social media. Should you have any questions about what you listen to or want more info, reach out and send her a message at K2 Health with Holly on Instagram and Facebook. She loves hearing from her listeners. See you next time.